Was Elijah a man of God? Was he living his life for God? Was he used by God? Was he attacked by Satan? Was he feeling hopeless and defeated? Did he fail in doubt and unbelief? Yes, he did. Lord, kill me? That sounds like doubt to me. <laughs> My life is over? That's doubt. Did he believe a lie from Satan? Yes. I'm going to kill you. I better run for my life. I believe that lie. He believed all that stuff. What a, what a failure. What a failure. Right? But did God give up on him? No. God knew. God understood. Amen? And he came and met him where he was at. Welcome to the Frontline Podcast for Christian Men, a place where men can find encouragement and strength to remain standing when the battles of life are closing in all around. A place where men will hear honest truth that will equip them and arm them to keep fighting in faith against the enemy's daily opposition. Gentlemen, you and I have been enlisted by God in the spiritual war as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, and the enemy wants to steal your joy and rob you of your peace. He wants to divide and destroy your marriages and your families. He wants to distract you from fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. And with his accusations and lies, he will tempt you to give in to fear, doubt, shame, and condemnation. But today, gentlemen, we refuse to allow him to take the win. And today we will stand in the victory that the Lord has won for us. Gentlemen, my brothers in Christ, welcome to the front line. Attack the objective! The attack on Pearl Harbor was a surprise military strike by the Imperial Japanese Navy against the United States Naval Base at Pearl Harbor in the United States Territory of Hawaii on the morning of December 7, 1941. This surprise attack led to, the, led to the United States' entry into World War II. This attack began at 7.48 in the morning, Hawaiian time, and the base was attacked by 353 Japanese fighter planes, bombers, and torpedo planes in two waves, launched from six aircraft carriers. All eight U.S. Navy battleships were damaged, and four of those eight were destroyed and sunk. 188 U.S. aircraft were destroyed, 2,403 Americans were killed, and 1,178 others were wounded. The attack came as a profound shock to the American people and led directly to the American entry into World War II. They immediately declared war. I want to read that last one again. This attack came as a profound shock. They weren't ready for it. And oftentimes in our lives as followers of Jesus, Satan, our enemy, will out of nowhere unleash a shocking attack. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking out of nowhere. You are living your life. You are going about 
your business, doing the will of God, serving the Lord, faithfully, you know, witnessing Jesus. You're doing your best to serve Jesus. And out of nowhere, there is a sneak attack, a surprise attack on you. And it comes in many different forms. A major way is your mind. Satan loves to mess with Christians' minds. He loves to distort truth. He loves to try to bombard you with lies straight out of hell that contradict the Word of God. He will even take the Word of God and twist it in such a way where it's a lie. It's the Word of God, but he tells it to you where it's, it's in condemnation and it becomes a twisted thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's a surprise attack, just like what happened in Pearl Harbor. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Another translation says, to show himself strong to those whose hearts are completely his. So we know that that's the truth. God, by his Holy Spirit, his omnipotent presence, he is everywhere. And the eyes of God are running, running to and fro, planet earth. He's running through this sanctuary right now, and he's looking at our hearts right now, and he's saying, show me a man, a woman, a, a young boy, girl, show me a heart that is all towards me, and I will show myself strong for that person. Do you believe that? That's the truth, and that's a constant thing. That's going to be a constant thing. As long as we are living on earth, God's eyes will be going to and fro all across the earth to looking for someone to be strong for, to bless, to prove himself mighty and good. Amen? That's going to be a constant thing. And then on the flip side, we read in Job chapter 1, verse 7, Satan comes to God. And the Lord says to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answers the Lord and says this, I'm from going to and fro on the earth. And walking back and forth on it. So we find here in two scriptures, we find that God is constantly going to and fro on the earth, looking for a man and woman of God to be strong for. And we also find at the same time, Satan is also walking to and fro the earth, looking whom he can devour. These are two realities that are happening right now in our midst. Oftentimes, if you have discerning in the, in the spirit, you can sense it as you, as you engage in warfare in your Christian life. Amen? You can sense it. You wake up with it. You go to sleep with it. You go to work with it. You're so in tune because your heart is towards God that you are also aware that although God is walking around me and wanting to show himself strong, I know there's a, a, a devil who wants to bring a sneak attack to my life. Amen? And this is some truth that we must be aware of. So oftentimes, I believe, we, for, we can for easily forget and we can say, oh, don't give glory to Satan. We're not giving glory to Satan. We, Paul says, don't be unaware of his devices. God says, you must know your enemy. When, when nations go to war against nations, they study out the enemy. They need to know how to defend and how to fight. We need to know our enemy. 
We never give glory to Satan, but we must talk about him. We must preach about him. We must be aware of how he works in my life, in your life, in all his wicked strategies. That can be so cunning. They can be so deceptive. They can seem so good. He comes as an angel of light. He says, this is of the Lord. And if we don't know our Bibles, church, if we aren't strong in our faith, church, we can so easily be hit by a sneak attack. And ultimately destroyed like those four, four out of eight ships were sunk. How many of you know it's okay to get damaged, but never let your, your faith be sunk? Hold fast to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 6.12, we know this. It talks about how we're fighting wickedness in heavenly places. There is this spirit realm all around us. Right now, if, if the Holy Spirit would open our eyes to the spirit realm, we would see angels and demons everywhere. There is a spiritual war every second of every hour of each day in our lives. It's so true. And we must be aware of this war in the heavenlies that we are fighting in. Amen? Christianity is a fight. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. How many of you, with all your hearts, lift your hand if your desire more than anything is to serve the Lord? I want to serve the Lord. If that's you today, the Bible says if this is us today, we are going to suffer persecution. And another, and what that means is that we are going to be persistently troubled. How many times have I failed in telling somebody about Jesus? Hey, give your life to Jesus. He loves you. He has plans for your life. He has good things in store. And all of that is true. But how many times have I failed? In saying, you know what? It's going to be a fight. You are going to suffer some hardship. You're going to go through things. You're going to have to learn how to die to yourself. You're going to have to live not to live by your feelings. You're going to have to learn how to fight in in faith and in the Word of God. How often do we not tell them that? And I'm the first one to fail in that. They need to know. They can't, if, if somebody receives the Lord and leaves and then they come under attack, they're like, you didn't tell me this part. How many churches are preaching some, if you have faith, God will give you a Mercedes or, or, or you'll become a millionaire and all that's great if God wants to do it. But then they leave and then they come under spiritual warfare and they say, pastor, why didn't you tell me about this? You never once told me this. You said I would have a million dollars in a new car and a bigger house and a great job. That's what you told me. Fighting in heavenly places. Going to bed with a fight in my mind, a battle in my mind, fighting by faith, losing sleep, waking up through the night, saying, oh God, where are you? Crying. You didn't tell me none of this. And they need to know. If you're here today and you're not a believer, you need to get saved. Jesus will save you. Jesus will forgive you. And in the fight, God will empower you. God will help you. God will be with you. But you need to know it's a fight. It's an absolute fight if it's the real deal, if it's your desire. If it's not your desire, Satan will let you go about your life, church. He's not interested in you. If you are, if you are just doing your own thing and your cry is not, Oh God, have your way in my life. I want to serve you. I want to stand on the front line of war. Satan, if that's not your cry, Satan's, Satan has you exactly where he wants you. Complacent and lukewarm and just whatever. Living for me. But if your desire is to live godly in Christ Jesus, we have to be on guard and we have to be aware of our enemy. 
Amen? 1 Peter 4.12-13 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning this fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Have you ever had a time in your life where a sneak attack came out of nowhere and it's just some strange thing? You have no idea even what it is. Please tell me I'm not alone in this. I can't even understand what it is. I can't pinpoint maybe how it happened or when it came or what started it. I don't understand it. It's some strange thing. This is messed up. This is weird. It makes no sense to me. Am I alone? Show me your hand. Do you know what I'm talking about? And God says, don't think it's strange as if some, with this fiery trial, as if some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. That tells me that if right now you are going through a battle of your life, if you are going some through some fiery trial, some strange thing that you can't understand, right now, if you hold on to Jesus and his promises, you are going to come through it and God is going to receive glory for it. Just like when Lazarus died, he says, this is for the glory of God. And Mary and Martha, they were like, where were you? Where were you? Where were you? He's like, did I not tell you? I want to get glory in this. So when you go through something that dies, when you go through something in your life that seems to be dead or dying or sick or confusing, just hold on to Jesus. Hold on to your profession of faith. Hold on to that profession of faith. And there will be a day where you have, again, exceeding joy. God's going to bring you through and he's going to receive glory and exchange that for exceeding joy in your life. Amen? Amen. Joy will come. Everyone say that. But for now, 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen says, Watch, stand firm in the faith, be brave and be strong. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert, be sober, be vigilant or watching, because your enemy, the, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. A lion... It will, will, when he's going to hunt his prey, he won't just race up on it and say, here I am, the vicious lion coming to get you. He will cunningly sneak up to where that antelope is grazing in the grass. And that lion will so gracefully walk up with razor sharp teeth and razor sharp claws and, and one thing in his mind, no mercy. He's got no mercy. He has one thing in his mind, to devour that prey. That's the only thing he's thinking about. And he, and he creeps up on it, nice and quiet. That antelope has no idea of what's about to happen. And suddenly he pounces on that thing, and that thing is destroyed like that. That's how our enemy is. He walks around to and fro the earth, not as some gentleman, as a roaring lion to devour me and to devour you. And we must be on guard. We must know how he works. I heard a story once. A pastor was watching a, a animal nature show. And there was a baby hippopotamus, which is baby hippos are still big. And this thing got stuck in the mud. And all the other hippos, they couldn't get him out. They left him, a baby hippo. And this nature show showed the lion coming up. 
And that lion didn't, didn't go up to the baby hippo and say, oh man, you're having a rough time today. Things are, you're struggling today. Like I, I can see you're, you know, can I, you know, hey, reach out and let me help you out there. No, no, no mercy. Just attack. Attack. Devour. And that is my enemy. And that is your enemy. When Goliath came out and was mocking God's people, everyone was afraid. And I wonder, would I be afraid? So often we can say, it says all the Israelites were terrified. How many of us would also be terrified? Because how many of you know, oftentimes when Satan comes and begins to talk and, and, and lie and attack, it can be a scary thing. It can be a scary thing. You're telling me if a 10-foot giant came in here now mocking us, we wouldn't be a little bit scared? Sure we would. But God, by his spirit, put something in David in that moment. David was the only one called of God in this time to deal with this giant. And he says to Saul, Saul, listen to me. I was watching my father's sheep. And when a bear and a lion came out and stole one of my sheep, I went after that lion with my hands and I ripped that thing in his beard and I saved that sheep and I whacked that thing to death. And I'm going to do that same thing to this wicked enemy who mocks my God. You see, David defeated the lion. When you defeat your lion, there's always, as you fight and as you win, God's going to take you from fight to fight, from faith to faith. But you've got to fight what's in front of you right now. And let God give you the victory. David didn't win the victory. God did the victory through David. Amen? So whatever you're fighting right now, fight. Keep punching. Keep fighting. Keep believing. Keep praising God as we've heard the last couple weeks from Pastor Dale and Pastor Chris. Keep praising the Lord. Hold on to that profession of faith, like I said. And fight, and God's going to give you the victory. Amen? With that lion and this wicked giant. Exodus chapter 18 gives us a picture of a, of a war scene. Exodus 18, verse 8. It says, Now Amalek came and attacked Israel, fought against Israel. The enemy is attacking God's people. And Moses says to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out to fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses uh, said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. He got tired. And so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, on uh, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And so we see here a picture of God's people fighting the enemy. And it's amazing here. I know we could talk about how we need to support one another, and that's absolutely true. But what I want to get from this story here is that oftentimes, many times when we're fighting, we get tired. If Moses gets tired, Matthew Noel is going to get tired. And you're going to get tired. We get tired in the fights. It's very evident. Isaiah 40, 30 says, even the youth shall faint. So Moses, an old man, and even a young person, you're going to faint. There'll be a time if you're serving God and you're fighting the good fight of faith, there's going to be a day in a, in a week or a month or a time where you're tired. 
and you're just hanging on by faith alone. But be strong in his, in, in his power. Amen? But we get tired at times. Tired of fighting. I remember I mentioned it before in my boxing match. After round one I had, I was whooped. I was huffing and wailing and I was just exhausted. We get tired. Fighting, fighting makes you tired. But hold on, amen? So turn with me to your Bible. 1 Kings chapter 18, please. 1 Kings 18. We're going to read a little bit of scripture here just to get the, the story in detail. This is a story about Elijah. 1 Kings 18, starting at verse 19. This is the story of God showing his great power to Elijah and to King Ahab and, and many people up on Mount Carmel. Verse 19. Now, therefore, this is Elijah speaking. Send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel. The 450 prophets of Baal, false prophets of Baal, he wants to come up, and the 400 prophets of, of Asherah, and those who eat at Jezebel's table. So Elijah is saying, bring all the enemy of God. Bring all the false prophets up onto the Mount Carmel. And so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. And then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. He was by himself. He was the only one who was standing up for God, the one true God, against all these false prophets and enemies of God. Verse 23, therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire on under it. And then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given to them, they prepared it, called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. And then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. And so they cried even louder and cut themselves as was their custom. So now they're, they're crying, they're jumping around this, this altar, and now they begin to cut themselves with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. What a scene. Are you picturing it? Good, that's what I want. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening service. And now they're in the evening, all day long. They're going strong. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. 
And then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. And then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order cut the bull in pieces, and now it's Elijah's turn, and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. Give me more water. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. Twelve buckets of water are poured over his altar, all over the wood. It's all wet, soaking wet now. And so the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. And it came, confidence in God, amen? My God's going to do it, is what he's saying. Despite the water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Just gone like that. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, all the people are now saying this, the Lord is. He is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kijon and executed them there. I want you to go to chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel, he goes back home, Ahab, tells his lovely wife Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all their prophets with the sword. And Jezebel, furious, sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. In other words, in 24 hours, you're a dead man, Elijah. She's enraged at what just happened. And when he saw that, this is Elijah, when he saw that, He arose and stood strong in his faith. Isn't that awesome? He stood strong in his faith. He said, Satan, you're a liar. Jezebel, get behind me. That's what he did, right? No. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Are you picturing it still? The picture is very important. Make it a movie now. Make it a visual movie. He's running for his life. No, he's running. He's not standing firm. He's running in fear. And went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. He's like, dude, see ya. That's what he said. He said, dude, see ya. (laughs) Is what he said. Crazy. Not what I was expecting from Elijah. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree 
And he didn't just say, he prayed. He didn't just mumble, he didn't just groan to himself. He prayed that he might die. Have you prayed that before? Good. He prayed that he might die and said to God, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Wow. He is discouraged. He is afraid. He's running for his life. He has just received an attack out of nowhere. Elijah just saw the glory of God come down. Elijah just had one of those incredible experiences with God. How many of you know those times when you go to church or you're at home alone and God's Spirit comes and begins to minister to you and you feel His presence and you feel His love and you feel His power and you leave feeling victorious and you're so excited about your walk with God? How many have ever been there before? Elijah was just there also, and out of nowhere, suddenly, he is threatened by Jezebel that he is going to be killed, and he loses heart, and he runs for his life, and he wants to die, and he asks God to kill him. Pretty crazy, eh? And then as he lay and slept, verse 5, and slept under a broom tree, he just fell asleep. He's just feeling... How many of you ever just felt, man, I just want to go to sleep. I just want to shut my mind off of all the responsibilities, all the cares of this life. I just want to go to sleep. And sometimes that's important, amen? Sometimes that's the answer. Just go to sleep, honestly, go to sleep. But Elijah was feeling defeated, and he sat down, and he flopped over, and he fell asleep, discouraged and defeated. And as he lay there and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. He didn't come and rebuke him. He didn't come and say, You're a fool. What are you, what are you doing here? What are you, you're a fool. You're a joke. And, and, and smacked him and, and, and brought condemnation and, and made him feel worse than what he was already feeling. Did that happen there? No, no. God sent an angel and told him to say, hey, get up. Come on, let's eat. Pretty awesome, amen? And then he looked and there by his head was a cake. <laughs> a cake. A big old chocolate cake. Wouldn't that be nice? You go to sleep defeated. And you wake up not defeated, because sometimes you go, you go to sleep defeated, you wake up feeling defeated, right? But instead, you go to sleep defeated, you wake up, there's a chocolate cake on your wife's pillow. Eh? You wake up and you're just like, and you see a chocolate cake there. That's a blessing. And an angel saying, eat it, brother, eat it. Eat it. Eat the cake. It's yours. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. He looked up and there by his head was a cake. Baked on coals in a jar, jar of water. I'd prefer coffee, but hey, water will do. And so he ate and he drank and he laid down again. So it's amazing. He eats and he drinks. He's just like, ah, I didn't quite do it. And he goes back to sleep again. I'm still defeated. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Aren't you glad for second chances? 
Amen. And touched him again and said, get up and eat again. Because the journey is too great for you. you got stuff I need you to do. God is like, come on. I know you're defeated. I know you're struggling. I know exactly how you're feeling. But just get up. Eat my bread of life. Eat this cake I supply for you. Drink my living water. Come on. Get up. Get up. You don't need to be defeated. There's work to be done. There's work to be done. Is what he told Elijah the second time. And so he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb to the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, this was not spoken in any condemnation. God is saying to him, listen, I've provided for you. I understand how you're feeling. Now explain to me, what are you doing here? What are you doing in your life right now? Why are you, why are you running for your life? Why are you telling me to kill you? What, what's up, Elijah? Talk to me. Come on, talk to me. Pray to me. Communion with me. Come on, just meet with me. Fellowship with me. What are you doing here, Elijah? I love you. I love you. What are you doing here? God says to him. And Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. He's saying, God, I love you. I've given my life to you, and they're saying they're going to kill me. What's up? That's how I'm feeling, God. I love you, and they want to kill me? God, why? Why, Lord? Why? What's up with this, Lord? Is what he says to him. And he says, listen, go out. Stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold the Lord pass by and a great and strong wind, whoosh, as Pastor Dale will do, tore, but even crazier, tore into the mountains and broke the rocks. God sends this massive wind rushing in. You could imagine the, 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 the noise. You know when a storm comes in and you hear the wind howling and it says the clouds are dark and this muddy wind rushes and it says that it breaks uh, it breaks the rocks. It tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake came. But the Lord was not in the shaking. The Lord was not in this earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Oftentimes we think if we if we're feeling defeated or we're, we're struggling in our faith, we feel like oh we feel this this oppression, this anxiety. We feel this. Oftentimes we can feel like God's going to come in with a rushing wind and destroy us, and bring this massive revelation of how wrong we are and how great He is. But God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the the, the wind. He wasn't in the breaking of the rocks. He was in a still, small voice. Sometimes God will come in with might and power and noise and revelation and manifestations, but God comes to Elijah, this defeated man, feeling like he wants to die. He gives him food and living water. He renews his strength. He lovingly talks to him, and now he says, Elijah, I'm with you. I understand how you're feeling I understand you feel defeated. I understand you want to just sleep. You want to just shut all the things, all the noise, all the noise and responsibility of life. I understand, but Elijah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Is what he tells him. 
And he wants to whisper that to you and to me this morning. In our battles, God is saying, listen, just settle yourself in my presence and let me just talk to you in a still, small voice. Resting in his presence. How important it is to rest in his presence. This can only be done in faith. I believe it talks about that in Hebrews. It can only be done, Lord. Lord, my emotions are crazy. My feelings are messed. Lord, God, I cry all the time. I'm scared. Lord, God, I'm angry. I'm confused. But Jesus, I believe that you're here with me right now. Lord, help me rest. Help me rest. Amen? Amen. And so it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him, said, said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, I've been very zealous again for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. And then the Lord says to him, go, return your way. Go back to where you came from and continue to do what I've called you to do. Get back up and keep fighting this good fight, is what he tells him. He refreshes him with cake and living water. He speaks to him in such a sweet, loving way as God. And he says, now listen, Elijah, I'm with you. Now just go back and keep doing what you're doing. Amen? Satan wants to make you so confused. Satan wants to put a thousand thoughts in your head. And all God says is just go and do what I've called you to do. Husbands, just keep loving and supporting your wives. Parents, just keep raising your kids the best that you can in the ways of God. Wives, keep loving and cooking great meals for your husbands. The job that I gave you, just do that job one day at a time, the best that you know how. Don't worry about tomorrow. Leave yesterday behind. Just go and do what I've called you to do, Elijah. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Elijah knows full well that the fight gets hard. He wanted to die. He wanted God to take his life. But God is so full of mercy and goodness and love. Long-suffering, patience, amen? I'm glad for that. The Bible says that he understands our weaknesses. He understands our struggles. He understands our emotions, our feelings. He knows all about it. And if you don't know, God knows. So just hold on to your profession of faith and say, Lord, I don't have a clue, but I know you do, Lord. I know you do, Lord, amen? Was Elijah a man of God? Was he living his life for God? Was he used by God? Was he attacked by Satan? Was he feeling hopeless and defeated? Did he fail in doubt and unbelief? Did he? Yes. Lord, kill me? That sounds like doubt to me. (laughs) My life is over? That's doubt. Yes, he did. Did he believe a lie from Satan? Yes. I'm going to kill you. I better run for my life. I believe that lie. He believed all that stuff. 
What a what a failure. What a failure, right? But did God give up on him? No. God knew. God understood. Amen. And he came and met him where he was at. Thanks for joining me on the front line. Contact me at standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Share this podcast with your family and friends. Look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, keep standing, keep fighting for the glory of God.